scripture reading this morning comes from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 5. Mark, chapter 5, is page 710 in the Pew Bible. If you'd like to follow in the Pew Bible, 710, we're in Mark, chapter 5, and we will be reading verses 1 through 20. Mark 5, verses 1 through 20. Beginning at verse 1. They went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an evil spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day he, among the, uh, night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. And he shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? Swear to God that you won't torture me. For Jesus has said to him, Come out of this man, you evil spirit. And then Jesus asked him, What is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, For we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them into the area. And a large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. And the demons begged Jesus, Send us among the pigs. Allow us to go into them. And he gave them permission. And the evil spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank and into the lake and were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in town and the countryside. And the people went out to see what had happened. And when they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by a legion of demons. And he was sitting there, dressed in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man, and told about the pigs as well. And then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave the region. And as Jesus was getting in the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged him to beg to go with him. But Jesus did not let him. But instead said, go home to your family and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And so the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. Let's pray. Father, in this very powerful passage of scripture, I just pray that we will will come to understand That the world in which we are living is more than just the world we can see. There's much more out there. Father, open our eyes and our hearts to understand the spiritual realm around us. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you say that your life is triumphant? Or would you say that your life is defeated? You know, 
When you read the New Testament, one of the things that is really impressed upon you is that the early Christians, they, they had a joyous confidence about them. You read nothing anywhere about any kind of defeatism among the early believers. And, and that includes even in some of the most trying of circumstances and in some of the most difficult of times, you find phrases like this. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory. And in all things, we are more than conquerors. And here's another one. God always leads us in a triumphal procession. And you know, when you read the early chapters of the book of Revelation and the seven churches, you know, the early Christians referred to themselves as overcomers. And this, by the way, this was their everyday vocabulary. I mean, these were the terms they used to describe themselves. Overcomer and uh, conquerors and, and victorious and triumphant. And you have to ask yourself, what in the world was it that enabled them, that lifted them up above all of the circumstances of this world to feel that and live a life that was truly triumphant and victorious? And you know, when you look at the world around us today, there, is a, there are a lot of defeated people, very disheartened people, very discouraged people. How do we rise above that? How do we rise above the defeat and the despair that is so prevalent in our world today? Well, in today's passage, we're going to meet a man. I guess we could say his life has been characterized by defeat and despair and destruction and even a little taste of death, you could say. And I think we could all agree, having read the passage, that this man is at the end of his rope. And suddenly, one day, in an instant, his life is changed. His world is changed. And suddenly, no longer does he, is he living in a, a defeated and distressed life. His life is triumphant and victorious. You know, we're, we're continuing our study to the, uh, in the life of Christ in the Gospel of Mark. And... Um, Today's story, I tell you, it has all the suspense of a, what, a Stephen King novel. It, it is the longest account of an exorcism in the Bible. Jesus and his disciples, they, they have sailed over to the region of the Gerasenes, which is on the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And it's a Gentile territory. It's, in fact, it's called, and we read it here, it's called the Decapolis because there are ten Gentile cities that are there. And, but not only, it is a very frightening place to be. There are stories of uh, haunted caves and evil spirits roaming the hillside. And, and it's, it's, a very, it's a very frightening place, a very dangerous place. In fact, a um, very dangerous place for lone travelers, especially at night. And yet, Jesus and his disciples make their way over to this region. And we're going to look at three things. Well, really, three groups of people. We're going to look at the demons that are over there and how they roam and afflict this world with, with a lot of evil. And then we're going to look at Jesus and his powerful display of overcoming those demons. And then we're going to look at the man 
and how he welcomes and embraces what God is doing in his life. So let's take a look. First of all, let's look at the demons and how they are roaming this world, inflicting their evil everywhere they go. When Jesus, he gets out of the boat, and immediately a man who is possessed by an evil spirit comes up now my version says to meet Jesus but it's really a little stronger than that he's coming up to confront Jesus in verse 2 it says when Jesus got out of the boat a man with an evil spirit from the tombs came to greet him or meet him I mean this man is pathetic now I've done you a great service because I put a picture of a man who's clothed but This man was not clothed when he came up to Jesus. I thought, that's a little too much information for us this morning. But he's demon-possessed with an evil spirit. And you're saying, Scott, really? Do you really believe in demons? I mean, Scott, we are living in the information age. (laughs) We are living in in the computer age, the the age of science. We we now know that all those things that they used to say back then uh, were, were demonic. We know now that it's schizophrenia and paranoia. We've got all kinds of diagnosis for it. The belief of demons today, people would say, is is primitive. It's uh, simplistic. It's really naive to believe in demons today. I, I would argue with you on that one. I'm going to say that those who do not believe in demonic possession and in a spirit world, they are the ones who are believing in a very simplistic world because they see the world only on one plane. You see, in the Bible, the Bible worldview is that this world is complex. And it is multidimensional. There is a physical realm that God created that we can see and hear and taste and feel. But there is also a spiritual realm. One which we, we cannot see. We cannot hear. We cannot, we cannot touch. This world is complex. It is multidimensional. And therefore evil can have one of two sources. It can have a human, it can come from within us. It has a a human element to it, a human origin. But evil can also come from, well, it's the work of demons. You see, what the Bible teaches is that there uh, there is evil inside of us because we're human and we have a sinful nature. But there's also evil all around us, on the outside of us. And so the biblical worldview is very complex, very multidimensional. Jesus believed in a multidimensional, complex world system. In fact, Jesus saw a clear distinction between those who were physically ill and those who were demon-possessed. Take a look in Mark chapter 1. Go back to just a couple pages. Mark chapter 1, look at verse 32. Mark 1, 32. That evening... After sunset, the people brought to Jesus all of the sick, right? And who else? The demon-possessed. Jesus recognized there is sickness in this world. There's viruses, there's bacterial infection, there's cancer, heart disease. Yes, there is a physical element in this world that needs healing. But Jesus also recognized there are demon-possessed people. 
And when Jesus looked into the eyes of this man, he immediately recognized this man's problem is not physical. It is spiritual. He doesn't need counseling. He doesn't need therapy. What this man needs needs is deliverance. And by the way, it's not just Jesus who believes in the most. The, the Bible, the whole framework of the Bible is that this world is multidimensional. Let me give you one verse as an example. I'm going to read Ephesians 4.26. And many of you will recognize it. <coughs> Excuse me. Ephesians 4.26. Paul writes, In your anger, your anger, that's something within you, your anger, do not sin. Now we can be angry and not sin. Anger is a normal human emotion. Now if we let it get a little too heated in saying some things and doing things, it can become sin. But Paul says, in your anger that's within you, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And then he adds this. And do not give the devil a foothold. You see, Paul realizes there is evil within us. It's anger that, you know, anger that can become sinful. But there's also another evil all around us. Let me give you an example. Let me give you two examples. One from the Bible and one from the newspaper. All right? <laughs> Here we go. From the Bible. Remember the story of Cain and Abel. All right. Cain. Cain has an attitude problem. And God tells Cain, Cain, if you don't get your attitude right, remember what God says? Sin is crouching at your door. Now, what did he mean? Sin. Sin doesn't walk. It doesn't run. It doesn't swim. Sin doesn't fly. Who's, Who's he talking about when he says sin is crouching at your door? Satan. He's telling Cain, Satan is crouching at your door. And if you're not careful, you're going to give the devil a foothold what happened did Cain give the devil a foothold the evil that anger that was within him suddenly the the evil one outside of him got hold of him now let me give you an example from the newspaper a couple weeks ago a young man a young lady early 20s I think were driving around the country his name was Brian um, Laundry. And the young girl, uh, Gabby Petito, or something like that. They're driving around the country. Remember, the police pull them over because they're arguing and fighting. And they're not getting along. The police separate them that night. But the next day, they get together. And what happened? How do you explain that? The devil got a foothold. Now, I'm telling you, in the world in which we are living, do you know what? Uh, the professionals in our world would say, those who hold to a, oh, this is old, there's no such thing as demonic uh, possession. Those who hold to a simple, I'm going to call it simplistic, single dimensional worldview, you know what they're going to say? Well, he just made a bad decision. You know, all that young man needed, he just needed some counseling. That's all. He needed a little therapy, little anger management. He would have been just fine. No, listen, not at all. That man, that young man, needed deliverance. Now, I want to look at this man here in Mark chapter 5. Look at this, verse number 3. Look at the impact that Satan is having on him. It says in verse 3, This man lived in the tombs 
That's not exactly the best place to live. (laughs) And no one could bind him anymore. Now listen to this. Listen. No one could bind him anymore. Not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot. But he would tear those chains apart. Break the iron uh, irons on his feet. This man is getting stronger and stronger. He's able to break the chains that bind him hand and foot. But you know what he couldn't break? He could not break the iron grip that the demons had on him. Now, I want you to notice something here. Notice that Mark makes a good point of this. And I've tried to emphasize it a little bit on the PowerPoint. Notice, no one, Mark says, no one could help him. Twice, no one was strong enough to help this man. Do you know why they couldn't help him? Because they were trying to deal with a spiritual problem with physical, by physical means. That's why. Now what am I saying? I'm saying this. Think about, this is right where we live today. Think about this. There are those, we call them professionals, who see the world as a single plane and they're trying to solve all of the evil, all of the the crime, the violence, the terrorism. They're trying to solve it all, well, with counseling, with therapy. We just need some more social programs. That will solve the problems in our world. What they don't realize, this world is complex. It's multidimensional. There are demons out there and people are demon-possessed and the only way to help them is to deliver them from it. The biblical worldview has the framework that helps people with that. Now, I'm going to go a little bit further this morning. I'm going to say there are even some Christians. I think they're in the dark when it comes to the impact that demons can have. In their lives. Some Christians are living defeated lives. They're disheartened. They're discouraged. They see themselves as a victim. And the notion that maybe demons are having an effect on them. I think is totally foreign to them. Now I am not suggesting that Christians can be demon possessed. That is not the case. I do not believe that. But the scripture we read earlier. I had Michael read it for us today. What does it tell us? We are in a spiritual battle with a spiritual enemy. And he is oppressing even Christians. So, now let's take a look. (laughs) I could go further, but I better not. I'm going to go right here. I want you to look at the extent of evil in this young man in Mark chapter 5. Notice verse 5. Night and day among the tombs And the hills, he would cry out and cut himself. Wow. Can you imagine living in a tomb? Can you imagine living in a graveyard? How creepy is that? (laughs) I heard a story about a man who was, he wanted to take a shortcut through a graveyard one night. What he did not know is somebody had dug, they had dug a new grave. and, and, And as he was making his way through the graveyard, he fell into the grave. And he's trying to jump and get out, but he couldn't do it. And then, not realizing someone else had done the same thing, he hears someone on the other end saying, you'll never get out. (laughs) He was out and actually cleared three grave markers getting out. 
I just can't imagine anybody living in a graveyard. But here he is. And you know what's sad? Look at this. It said that he would cut himself with stones. You know why? He hated himself. He hated his life. He hated this world. And you know, you almost get the impression maybe he's feeling life isn't even worth living. Wow. That's the power of demons. So, what hope do we have in a world in a world that is truly multidimensional, very complex? What do we have? What, what can we do as believers? Take a look. Let's now look at the second thing. Second, Christ is now going to display his power over these demons. Notice that when Jesus gets out of the boat, the man in verse 6, it says, he comes running to Jesus. Hey, that's, that's always a good first step, isn't it? He comes running. He doesn't walk. He doesn't mosey on over. You know, he doesn't look down and see uh, Jesus and the disciples getting out of the boat and say, you know... Maybe I'll go over in there and check those guys out. No, he runs. And here's what's more interesting. He runs. And I want you to notice this incredible confession that he makes in verse number 7. He says, what do you want with me, Jesus? Son of the most high God. Now I'll tell you, when I'm reading that, I'm thinking... By the way, that's the right move to call Jesus the Son of the Most High God. He's making all the right decisions here, but my, you know, I'm wondering, where, how did he know who Jesus was? I mean, how, there's, I, I can only think of two options. Either one, Jesus, um, his reputation precedes him. And he does have, I mean, he is very well known. Or, here's another one. Could it be because the man is demon-possessed? And because demons know who Jesus is. They know him. Could it be that this man knows who Jesus is because the demons know who he is and the man is demon-possessed? But then notice what the man says. It goes on. And the man says, Swear to God that you won't torture me. Can you imagine that? This man, where did he come up with the idea that Jesus was there to torture him? I think it was the demons. The demons had been telling him and had him convinced. Ask Jesus, he's going to torture you. You don't want to go near him. He's bad news. You know, demons are always lying about Jesus. You know what demons will say to people? They'll say things like, um, you know, if God really loved you, you wouldn't have these kind of problems. You know, if God really cared for you, you wouldn't be going through this in your life. Demons lie to people. They lie to people and they say, you know, if you give your life to Jesus, you're going to have to give this up and that up and this up and that up. Jesus will ruin your life. Demons will say things, if you commit yourself to Jesus and follow him, you're going to... You're going to have to say no to all the things you enjoy in this world. Because, you know, hey, you can't be a Christian and have, have a good time both. Satan is working overtime. I think he's working overtime on this poor man. And Jesus has not come to torture this man. I believe Jesus came all the way across that sea, the Sea of Galilee, 
to deliver this man. One man. He delivers one man. And this is it right here. And Jesus, he delivers him. In fact, Jesus commands the evil spirit to come out. And then, here is interesting, Jesus asks the man, or the demon really, kind of hard to tell who's talking, either the demon or the man. He says, what is your name? And the demon says, my name is Legion. Because we are many. Now, in Roman times where Jesus is living... A legion was 4,500. It's actually, it's 4,200 infantry and 300 cavalry. Or 4,500 5, 4, altogether, right? I don't think so. Now, I know that for a fact because I Googled it. So, I could, and it's, if it's on Google, you know it's the fact. So, this poor man, he's indwelled by thousands of demons. And here is, here is Jesus confronting thousands of demons. Thousands of them. You talk about lopsided. Those poor demons don't have a chance, do they? <laughs> and Jesus commands the demons and they have to leave. The man needed deliverance. He didn't need counseling. He didn't need therapy. He didn't need anger management. This man needed deliverance. And only Jesus could deliver him. I love Martin Luther's hymn. The third stanza. And though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, we will not fear, for God hath willed his truth to triumph through us. The prince of darkness grim, we tremble not for him. His rage we can endure, for lo, his doom is sure. One little word will fail him. And that's exactly what Jesus does here. He defeats the demons. Because in Christ, there is victory. In Christ, we are triumphant. In Christ, we are overcomers. And we're going to see that now. Let's look at the man. Third. Third, let's look at the man. The man is going to welcome the Lord's deliverance. So the, it is interesting that the demons... Uh, they want to be, they want to possess something, even if it's a pig. <laughs> They're not picky, I guess, at this moment. So they say, we'll take the pigs. Let's go with the pigs. <laughs> and they plunge over the side of the cliff. Kind of reminds me of the Egyptian army, you know, drowning when, uh, when, when uh, the Lord collapsed the sea on them. But what I want you to notice, the immediate change in this man's life. He gives his life to Jesus. He turns it over to, he commits himself to Jesus. And I love the, the three words here. Sitting, clothed, and in his right mind. I love that. Look, the man is sitting where before, he's sitting at Jesus' feet. Whereas before, he was running, running around uh, because the demons were after him. And he's clothed. I love that. Before he was naked. He's in community. You know, before he was isolated all by himself. And he's in his right mind. You know, he was out of his mind earlier. This man was afraid that Jesus had come to torture him. But in fact, why did Jesus come? To deliver him. Isn't that great? And now the man wants to be a follower of Jesus. He wants to be a disciple. He wants to be with Jesus. And not, I want you to notice verse 18. As Jesus was getting in the boat... The man who had been demon-possessed begged 
to go with, he was to go with Jesus. He wants to be the 13th man. <laughs> you got to love that, right? He wants to be the 13th man. And uh, notice verse 19. Notice, this is the last thing that Jesus says to the man. Verse 19. Jesus says, go home to your family and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. Isn't that great? The Lord didn't come to torture him, came to show him God's mercy, God's grace. That's great. And in verse 20, so the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis, the Tennessee. He didn't just go to his family. He's out there telling everybody how much Jesus had done for him. He's telling everybody, I'm living in victory. I'm living in triumph. I am an overcomer. And now you know what he can say? He can say in these verses, in all things, we are more than conquerors through him who knows us and loves us. And who is it? Through Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus. Thanks be to God. I can say now, but thanks be to God who gives, me, gives us the victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. And he can say, but thanks be to God who always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ. Think of that. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to give your life to Jesus. Don't be afraid to commit to following him. It's so interesting. How, how ironic. This man was afraid of the Lord of love, the Lord of mercy, the Lord of grace, the Lord of forgiveness. The Lord is no one to be afraid of. He's not going to torment you and make your life more miserable. He's going to give you mercy and grace and give you more than you ever imagined possible. He'll turn your life from a life of defeat to a life of victory. So here's what I want us to take home today. In Christ, we rise above defeat to live in triumph. And boy, what a great example this man is. From defeat to triumph. And you know the reason why this, you know why Jesus could deliver this man? He is able to deliver him because Jesus, he's going to, Jesus is going to go to the cross. He's going to die for this man and for this man's sins. Think of it this way. When Jesus went to the cross, all right, he was stripped naked so that this man could be clothed in the robes of righteousness. Jesus went to the cross. He was nailed. He was bound hand and foot that this man might be free, free of sin and death. When Jesus went to the cross, he was forsaken and abandoned even by the Father that this man might live in community. And Jesus tasted death and was placed in a tomb that this man might no longer have to live among the tombs. I think he can truly say, yes, thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, if you're a believer, you've got the victory. You just have to walk in it and live it. But if you've never come to faith in Christ, you'll, your life is always going to be a life of defeat because only Jesus can give you victory. And so if you've never come to faith in Christ, I would invite you, put your trust in him. 
like this man did and see the difference from defeat to victory let's pray father we are challenged by this passage to realize that we are truly living in a very complex world but God we just pour our thanks out to you because of the victory that you've given us not only in the physical world but in the spiritual thank you father thank you and if there's some here today who's never come to faith in Christ today I pray that they will see their need and come to Jesus as this man did we ask all of this in Jesus name amen let's sing together two stanzas of come thou fount please stand If you would like to pray with someone, we have elders. I'll be up front and be glad to pray with you about any need that you might have. And uh, we're so glad you're here today. And uh, let's have a closing prayer together. Father, thank you again for your love and your grace delivering us from the hand of the evil one and bringing us into your family free and clear. Now may the Lord bless you May the Lord keep you and may his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he lift up his countenance upon you and bring you peace. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
Jesús.